This is Made to Conquer, a podcast designed to inspire you to have a deep relationship with Jesus. Jesus told us to make every effort to enter through the narrow door so that when we stand before him, we hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Hello, everyone. This is Tiana Showey, and welcome to the podcast Made to Conquer. Thank you guys again so much for tuning in. It truly is such a privilege to share this time with you. As you know, my whole heart behind this and the whole reason why I do this podcast is because I genuinely want to encourage you to have a more intimate, more passionate, and just more genuine relationship with the Lord. Because here's the thing. Jesus did not go to the cross for us to be in a religious state with him. The Holy Spirit is not given to us so we can go through the motions without having that intimate relationship with our creator. We have ge- we genuinely are so fortunate because we have the ability through the Holy Spirit to be in relationship with the Lord, to hear from him, for him to guide us and direct us and lead us and grow us and mature us and use us. And as I've told you guys in my testimony and and, and it just continues to be the way that the Lord works you know, I, as I as I take God at his word, as I spend more time with him, as I spend more time just learning how to follow him, it, it's amazing to me how I hear his voice more clearly and, and I become less emotional in the sense that when things, you know, when things go hard or get hard, and yes, I still struggle like any other person, I still have real emotions. I can just continue to go back to God's word and go back to God's word and go back to God's word and trust and in believing that he is in control and he's going to do what he says he's going to do. I'm continuing to dare to believe that God is who he says he is and that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. So that's what I want for you. I just want you to to walk in the fullness of what God has for you, what Jesus bought for you on the cross, which was the forgiveness of sin so that (laughs) we could be back in fellowship with the Lord like Adam and Eve were prior to the fall. So Before we jump into the topic of today's podcast, which I'm going to wait a minute just to tell you, I'm going to leave you on a cliffhanger because this was a topic that I've struggled to want to talk about because it's, in my mind, was one of the most painful things, but then I've come to realize that it's actually one of the biggest and most beautiful gifts that God gives us. I mentioned, though, on the prior podcast that I was getting hats made, (laughs) except for that I made a little bit of a little tiny mistake. Okay, so as I've told you guys before... I made, I named this podcast after Romans 8, 37, which says this, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then Paul goes on to say in verse 38, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And that is why I named my podcast this, because I just want to inspire all of us to recognize that we are more than conquerors through through the Lord, through Jesus, and through what Jesus gave us. I just made a kind of teeny tiny mistake. <laughs> okay, are you ready for this? <laughs> I accidentally put Romans 8.27 on the hats. Now, the great thing about Romans 8.27 is it is still a fantastic verse. So if I may, I'd like to read it to you. It says Romans 8.27, And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. 
So it's still a very great hat. It's just not what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> so the good news is I have managed to give away five of them. So I've got 40 of these hats sitting in boxes in my office and I haven't exactly decided what I'm going to do with them, but I'm thinking, and I would just love your input on this. So let me know what you think. Oftentimes what podcasters do is they will do what's called a, a Patreon account where you can donate to the podcast and you by donating, get access to the podcast early, or you get special swag that is only available to people who donate, etc. I'm thinking of doing a Patreon and then allowing you to get a hat through that. I haven't decided yet, but I'd love your input on that. Tell me what you think, because I am going to get Romans 837 hats made, but I'm going to change the design a little bit. The, the, with this first batch, it's cute. It's nice, but it's not as big as I wanted. So there's just a few things I'm going to change. So these are going to be like the first generation special edition hats. <laughs> Only produce one batch <laughs> once in a lifetime, but they're also, you know, it's, it's great. It's, you know, I, I always like to wear Christian merchandise. So I've got, you know, Christian, a bunch of Christian t-shirts, you know, Christian jewelry. Um, you know, in the, in the hopes that somebody says, tell me about your hat. And ironically enough, that has already happened with this hat. Tell me about your hat. So it's an opportunity. I want to use it as an opportunity to witness. This is kind of what I'm saying. So I just wanted to tell you guys about that. Sorry that they were not exactly what we hoped, but let me know what you guys think. If you would be interested in a hat. For those of you who are watching on YouTube, you can see it. I'm wearing it. I plan on wearing these through most of the podcast because I, I wear a lot of trucker hats anyway. It's a habit I picked up being an ultra runner. And also it's fantastic for work from home put your hair in a bun. You're good. Alrighty. So with that said, today's topic is going to be none other than the beautiful topic of humility. And I want to just talk about two things, our humility with God, and then our humility with other people. This is such a broad topic. It's so, it's so overwhelming when I take a topic like humility or like la last episode, which was guard your heart. You know, we could be on here for four hours and I would just be scratching the surface because there's the, the Bible is just so full of this topic. So I just wanted to focus on just these two, just a little bit of, of what our humility towards the Lord should be like and what the consequences of not being humble are. And then our humility towards other people, what the consequences are of not being humble towards other people. And, you know, again, the whole purpose of this, I'm not a Bible teacher. I'm a Bible encourager, encourager is to encourage you to ideally seek humility in your relationship with the Lord and seek humility in your relationship with other people, because there's a lot of fruit that the Lord can produce through a humble heart and a humble person. And that's really what I want to talk about today. So before we jump in, I always love to invite the Lord into this conversation. If you will pray with me, if you're driving, don't close your eyes, <laughs> keep your eyes open on the road, but uh, do just uh, let, let's invite the Lord into this conversation and jump right in. Heavenly father, we just thank you so much. We thank you that like you tell us that you who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. And our heart's desire, Lord, is that we become like Jesus, just like you. Lord, we want to have the type of impact in the world that, that Jesus had. We want to leave people better for having had an encounter with us. And Father, that is not something we are capable of doing outside of you. And so, Lord, we just lay ourselves down at your feet. We ask, Lord, that you would just continue like clay in a potter's hand to mold us and to shape us into an image that brings you glory. Father, we just want, we want to hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. And Lord, we know that that comes through humility. We know that comes through surrendering ourselves to you and saying, you know what, Lord, not my will, but your will. So Lord, I just ask that you would come into this conversation now, Lord, that you would, 
get me out of your way. <laughs> and Father, that you would just encourage us to, to hear what you have to say with us, say to us, Lord, and that we would just have hearts and ears to hear what you have to say. Father, we just love you. And we, we ask that this would be your time and your conversation. In your name we pray. Amen. So thank you guys. Now, I mentioned that I wanted to talk about the topic of humility. I think what spurred this, again, I, I always pray about this and I ask the Lord, you know, Lord, show me, show me what you want to talk about. And I think what really spurred this for me was I just got done reading the book of Daniel. And if you haven't read the book of Daniel in a while, sit down and read through it. Now, the last two chapters are complex because they're dealing with prophecy. And I am not even going to attempt to tackle that. But I want to talk about Daniel the person. <laughs> and I love how the book of Daniel starts. So I want to want to read a, a scripture from later on in the book. But first, let's just go through the beginning of the book of Daniel. So let's give, let's get a little bit of context before we jump right into this. So if you guys remember, let, let's just go through a quick Bible timeline. I think this is just a good practice to go through in general. So you have, you have the book of Genesis. And in the book of Genesis, we have Adam and Eve that are created. They sin, they get kicked out of the garden. We have, you know, the story of their descendants, then Noah, the flood comes. And then after the flood, we have Abraham. And so then God makes a covenant with Abraham that your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And so then Abraham has Isaac, Isaac has Jacob, Jacob has the 12 tribes of Israel. And one of those is his son, Joseph. Now, if you remember, God spoke to Joseph in a dream and told Joseph, your brothers were going to bow down to you. They didn't like the fact that, that he told them that. So they beat him, sold him to an Egyptian caravan as a slave, and he became a slave in, in the house of Potiphar. He served so well that he eventually began running his house until Potiphar's wife had a crush on Joseph. And since he wouldn't sleep with her, she grabbed his robe and claimed that he tried to rape her and he was thrown into prison. So sounds like he's kind of going backwards. I love Joseph's story because it, <laughs> it's so inspiring that sometimes in life, while God's humbling us, we feel like we're going backwards when we're, we're actually going forward. Obviously, and I've seen God do this in my own life, by the way. I know the dreams that I have and, and, and how I, I believe the Lord wants to use me, but I know that he's not going to use me until I'm ready, until I can handle what it is he's given me. And so he gives Joseph this dream of what's going to happen, but clearly Joseph wasn't mature enough for that at that time because A, he went and told his brothers, but B, God then spent a significant period of Joseph's life humbling him and preparing him for the leadership that he was going to take. So Joseph then goes to prison. He ends up running the prison. And eventually, because of a dream interpretation, he ends up becoming the, um, he goes to Pharaoh, interprets Pharaoh's dream about the seven years of feast and the seven years of famine, ends up running all of Egypt until eventually his brothers came and bowed down before him. And that's when the Israelites moved from, from where they were living, where Jacob was living and moved into Egypt. And that is then 400 years later, Moses shows up. The Israelites have been enslaved now. They went from being honored guests in Egypt to becoming the slaves of Egypt. And then God sends in Moses. And Moses and Aaron lead the people out of Egypt into you know, the beginning of the promised land. And that's where Caleb and Joshua step in. Joshua becomes the leader. And then we have the book of Judges. And so the book of Judges are the leaders that led Israel up until the kings. And then the first king was King Saul. And then the second king was King David. And then the book of Kings and Chronicles are the stories of the kings. Now, unfortunately, with the exception of very few kings, most of the kings of Israel were evil. They departed from the word of the Lord. And so you have the beginning of the prophets. You have Jeremiah, you have Isaiah, these prophets that show up and start saying, 
saying, God is going to come in and punish you if you do not return to the ways of the Lord. And what's interesting, again, about uh, talking about humility, the prophet Jeremiah, prophet Ezekiel is another example of this. Um, The prophet Jeremiah was just tortured. I mean, just tortured for what he was saying. He was beaten multiple times, thrown in prison, thrown in a well. He, he only had a few people that took him seriously. And I often ask the question, if your ministry looked as fruitless as Jeremiah's, would you have stuck with God through it all? <laughs> like, at what point would you have said, clearly your plan is not working, Lord? <laughs> and the book of Jeremiah is powerful in that. But as I remind people often, one of the most beautiful verses comes out of Jeremiah's prophecy, which is Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans not to harm you, but plans to give you hope and a future. And so... After the book of, then, you know, after Jeremiah prophesies this, then as prophesied, Nebuchadnezzar comes in and he, and he, he takes the, the Israelites in, in Judah captive and he takes them to Babylon. And so now you have all of the people of Israel held captive with the exception of a few people that didn't, that weren't held captive, but most of them are now in, in Babylon. And this is where the book of Daniel picks up. The people are now in captivity under the rule of Nebuchadnezzar being punished for their disobedience to the Lord. So that's kind of the important context to understand when you're reading the book of Daniel. I just kind of went through um, a ton of Bible history in a short period of time. And then, by the way, after the book of Daniel, Ezra goes back and builds the temple. Nehemiah goes back and builds the wall. And we know that Esther, the book of Esther, takes place during the captivity because she's what married to a Persian king. So that just helps give you a little bit of context for where everybody falls in these stories. Now, with that set, so, so now you've got the Jews, you know, the Israelites and the Jews in captivity in Babylon. And that's where we pick up the book of Daniel. So I guess I'm going to read. Yeah, we'll go through this. I, was, I wasn't going to read the whole chapter, but I think it's important. So Daniel's training in Babylon, Daniel chapter one. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles of the temple of God. These he carried off to a temple of his God in Babylonia and put the treasure in the house of his God. The king ordered Asphenaz, I cannot say his name, Asphenaz, the chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. So the king says, I want you to bring some of the you know, ro- royal Israelis that can be trained. He was to teach them the language and literature of, Babylon, of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table, and they were to be trained for three years, and after that they were entered the king's service. Among those who were chosen were from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now, we later know Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those were their Babylonian names that they were later given. I like their Hebrew names, so I like to refer to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Those are their original names before they changed. The chief official gave them new names, so that's what I just said, (laughs) to Daniel, who gave the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. So they got kind of close, with the exception of poor... uh, Hananiah, he became Shadrach. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief officials for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid. Oh, sorry. So let me just back up. So Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And so he, he wanted to keep the kosher laws that God had given him. But again, the official is a little bit worried. So he says, 
Daniel, I'm afraid of, of my Lord, the King who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than any of the other young men your age? The King would have my head because of you. So in other words, he's saying, Daniel, I think your plan not to eat this food that the King tells us is a bad plan. I'm afraid I'm going to get in trouble. And here's what Daniel says. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test your servant for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to all this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and wine, and they were able to drink, excuse me, and the wine that they were able to drink and gave them vegetables instead. So the 10 day experiment went well and said, okay, fine. If this is working for you, we're going to keep letting it go on. So verse 17, these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief officials presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them. He found them 10 times better than all the magicians, enchanters, and the whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. So I wanted to point out just the outstanding start that Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah had. They just, they, they obeyed the Lord from the beginning. They were not going to defile themselves with this pagan food. God bless them in that. They, he gave them knowledge and understanding and they rose through the ranks. And as you read through the rest of the book of Daniel, you'll just see God's favor with him, with Nebuchadnezzar, with Cyrus, with Darius, the leaders that, that Daniel had influence over. It's really a beautiful story. But here's where the humility part comes in. So I know you're saying, okay, I thought we were talking about humility, Tiana. Yes, I just wanted to give you paint a picture of who we're dealing with here. We're dealing with somebody who the Lord greatly used because he chose to be faithful. Now, mind you, I'm jumping in here at chapter 10. The stories that precede this are the stories of Daniel in the den of the lions, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah being thrown into the fiery furnace because they refused to bow to Nebuchadnezzar's statue. So we have a, a you know several chapters of God showing favor to them for being obedient to him and not bowing to culture, not bowing and, and, and giving in to the temptation to, you know, to, to preserve their life over doing what God told them to do. But I love this verse in, in, in Daniel chapter 10, which comes after, by the way, Daniel chapter nine, which is one of my favorite prayers and a prayer that I believe we should be praying for our nation. Daniel is repenting for all of the sins that caused the Israelites to be carried off into captivity, which was kind of the full summary I just gave a minute ago. So Daniel's in this deep state of prayer. And then the next chapter we have Daniel praying again, which again, you know, we see this theme. Daniel was a prayer warrior. And this is, this is what verse 12 says. An angel visited Daniel and he says, Daniel, do not be afraid. Since the first day, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come in response to them. How powerful is that since the first day that you set yourself to, to, excuse me, you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come in as, as a response to them. And I, in this case, he is talking about, I believe this must be Michael because he gets visited. He gets visited by, oh, excuse me, um, 
Yeah. Gabriel, sorry, Gabriel. He says Gabriel and Michael were fighting together to, to get to reach him. So we get to see this kind of cool angelic battle that goes on by the way around this. And so this is, you know, God specifically sends Gabriel to Daniel and in response to Daniel's humbling himself before God. So on that note, I wanted to start talking about humility with the Lord. So the Lord tells, there's a, there's a cool story in the book of Chronicles. After David had it in his heart to move the Lord from a tabernacle, which was a tent originally designed by Moses for the people, you know, for, for God's sanctuary, where the, where the Ark of the Covenant went, David wanted to build God a temple. And God said, well, you've had too much blood on your hands, but I'll let your son Solomon build me a temple. So during the dedication of the temple that Solomon built the Lord, which comes in second Chronicles chapter seven, The Lord says this to Solomon. He says, when, this is 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 11. When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all that he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. So God said, okay, Solomon, I'm good with this. So this is verse 13. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send plague among my people. This is verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will hear the land. So what God is saying to Solomon is, thank you, you know, I, I, I will dwell in your temple. But here's the thing. If I send you warning signs that things are not going the way that they should be going by famine or by locusts, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves before me, then I will heal their land. You see, as, as I just explained in the story, because they did not do this, God sent in Nebuchadnezzar. So the Lord already gave a forewarning to the people very early on before all the kings had their succession. Because remember, Solomon is only the third king of Israel, true king, if you want to go into the details. There was a little stent with one of David's other sons for a minute, but true kings of Israel, you have Saul, David, and now King Solomon. So the Lord is already saying, listen, if you come before me with a humble heart, I will land, I will, I will heal this land. I just, you know, again, we could go out through scripture after scripture after scripture about humility. Another scripture about humility comes from the book of Proverbs, one of many, verse chapter three, verse 34, he mocks proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. And another great scripture about humility comes from Micah chapter six. And in Micah chapter six, verse eight, he says, he has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So there is no question. There is no doubt that God's God's design for our relationship with him begins with us being humble before him, humble like Daniel. Another example of powerful humility comes actually from Moses. In the book of Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, this is the scripture. Now Moses was a humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. And this is squeezed into a story that we're going to reference back a little bit later. But I wanted to go back and say that God's heart is that we are humble before him. So what does it mean to be humble before the Lord? Well, again, this is a toll. We could spend so much time on that topic alone. 
And it goes back to kind of what we talked about in the prior episode about guarding your heart. It is having an attitude of your heart where you recognize and you acknowledge that he is God. You, you sit, you submit yourself to him. You humble yourself before him. You, you open yourself up to allowing him to be the Lord of your life in discipline, in rebuke, in leading, in dealing with sin, in truly having lordship of your life. You know, I, I, I talk about, I've talked about this before, but I've never actually made the reference from the book. A.W. Tozer just talks about, actually I did, I, I take that back in the last episode. A.W. Tozer talks about the fact that, you know, we've got to be on guard against who is sitting on the throne of our heart. Humility says, I'm going to only allow God to sit on the throne of my heart. He will be my true king. Here, here, are, the, here are the risks of not being humble before the Lord. You set yourself up in a position not to hear from him and not to learn from him. Remember that Satan's ultimate pride was, or excuse me, Satan's ultimate sin was pride. He wanted to be equal with God. That's what the book of Isaiah tells us when it gives us a description of Satan um, under the title of King of Tyre. He, he said, no, I'm not going to bow myself to authority. I'm not going to be humble, but instead in pride, I'm going to set myself up against you. Remember that pride is the ultimate sin against God, which is again, why I said, this is such a deep topic that we could, we could go on for hours about it. But when, when you are not humble before the Lord, when you are prideful before the Lord, then you are not in a position to learn from him. We're told all throughout the Bible in the book of John, we're we're told in the book of Hebrews, in multiple places that the Lord disciplines those he loves. If you can't humble yourself before the Lord and you can't be teachable, then then you are never going to walk in the fullness of the relationship that God has for you. You are not perfect. I am not perfect. As long as we inhabit these bodies, we will constantly, continually need the guidance and the direction of the Holy Spirit. If you are not humble before the Lord, you will not hear what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach you and speak to you. I see this a lot, and I've talked about this some, but I see this a lot, and I even have to keep myself on on guard for this, by the way, on, on TikToks, where people with so much pride and so much arrogance, you know, either bash other people or make rude comments. I mean, I think social media in general, it's not just exclusive to TikTok, uh, even online. I mean, you can find blogs that are just oozing with pride, uh, rebuking, condemning, tearing down other, other believers. Without humility, you cannot open God's word and allow him to speak to you because what you will end up doing, and this is what so many prideful teachers do, is they open the word of God to confirm their biases rather than for God to teach them his word. You know, one of the things that I do is I, I continually get new Bibles. So, so that way I start off with a clean slate and I try to con- continually approach the word of God and say, Lord, I want to be your student. I want you to be, you are rabbi. I am your student. Teach me what your word says. And it's so easy, especially if, if you, if you have, uh, you know, made yourself a student of theology and doctrine to not, not see the scripture through the lens of what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, but rather through the lens of what you think you know about the word of God. And one of the things that I have found is that I don't know nearly as much about the Bible as I think I can, I do. As much as I read it over and over and over again, every single time I read through a passage again, the Lord shows me something different that I didn't see the time before. 
Humility allows the Lord to teach you. If you don't have humility, you can't mature in the Lord. You know, Paul rebukes the Corinthians for not being able to be mature in the Lord. We should long for maturity. And and here's the funny thing. Christian maturity looks like humility. (laughs) The more humble we become, the more we are demonstrating the fruit of a mature walk with the Lord. It's it's amazing to me because even I go back and I listen to my podcast, you know, six months ago, I just remember that sensation I had of just feeling like I was about to overflow and explode with information. And I go back and I listen and I'm like, I didn't know anything. And now that I'm, you know, six months into this journey and, and, you know, obviously I continue to read the word of God every day. The more that I read, the more that I feel like I don't know. And the further I feel like I have to go in my journey with the Lord. And, and that honestly, I'm not saying I'm, I'm humble. Believe me, the reason that I'm, I'm sharing this with you is because the Lord is working pride out of me. <laughs> I'm in, I'm in humble school right now. But I used to resist humility because I used to think that being humble was going to be painful or that I, you know, it was just this, this is the same. It's so funny with sin because sin deceives us so much because we want to hold on to it because we think we're getting some sort of gratification from it. But what I've come to realize is humility is a gift because it's, it's what it's, it's so much easier to be taught when you're humble than it is when you're hard. And part of the reason why I had such a delay in my growth as a Christian for so many years is because I was so prideful and my heart was so hard that by the time the Lord got done grinding me down into something he could mold, I, it was a much more painful process than had I just chosen to be humble. That's the beautiful thing about humility is that you have a decision in this process. You can choose like Daniel to humble yourself before the Lord. You can choose like Moses to be humble before the Lord, or you can let him work it through you. Now, I'm not saying that Joseph was a humble per- or not a humble person, but clearly God had a long process before he was ready to put Joseph as the ruler and to fulfill the dreams that he gave him as a young boy. J- Joseph was a child when he was sold into e- slavery in Egypt. God is not, you, you're not going to be able to mature in the Lord unless you are a humble person before him. And the last thing is, you're not going, the Lord is not going to reward you in in the in the terms of giving you more in the kingdom. So this is, you know, this principle comes from the parable of the talents. You know, to the one that that only produced that took the one talent and buried it, what did he say? He said, take away what was, you know, from that wicked servant and give it to the one who took five and produced ten. For whoever has will be given more, but whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away. See what 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 that parable means is that if you are not humble, if you're not giving to the Lord and and allowing him to work through what he gives you to be a responsible steward of, if you're not doing that, then what he, what you have will be taken away from you. Your pride in your pride, which you're holding on to, that will be taken away from you and it will be given to somebody more humble. The other really big risk that you have of not being humble is you risk an entire lifetime of man-made fruit and not God-made fruit. This is why Jesus warns us. He said, many will say to me on on that day, but Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not do miracles in your name? And I will say to them, away from me, you evildoers, for I never knew you. Because what Jesus is saying to them is that it is entirely possible for you to go your entire life in ministry and it be of man and not of God. That is the cost of pride and not being humble before the Lord. You will not be taught. You will not be mature. You will not get the rewards of the Lord adding to what he wants to give you in your life. 
what does Hebrews tell us that, that without faith, it is impossible to please God because first you must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. (laughs) And lastly, you risk an entire lifetime built on your pride, built on your works and not the Lord's. Those are really compelling reasons to pray and seek humility before the Lord, to ask the Lord to humble you, to not give pride any place in your life. And and what is Psalm 139? Search me and know me and show me if there's any false way in me. You know, Lord, show me where there's pride that I don't even see in my life. So that's humility towards God. Now, the Bible has a lot to say. Oh, and, and one last final thing I just wanted to point out, by the way. One of my favorite verses in the Bible comes from John chapter 3. Verse 30, he must become greater and I must become less. That's from John the baptizer talking about Jesus. He must become greater and I must become less. As believers, that should be our heart. I want, I want to become less. I want God to become greater through everything that I do, through the interactions that I have with people as I walk through this life because I don't want to lead people to me. I can't save you. I can't help you. I'm just a vessel. I want to lead people to the arms of Jesus. And here's the thing. These man-made ministries that I pointed out, these are people who lead people to themselves. They make disciples of them instead of disciples of Jesus. Do you realize the, the, the danger in that? No human being can save you. No pastor can do more for you than you can do in the time, in your time with the Lord praying, seeking him. Humans are here to to use our gifts to build up the body, but we're not to be a substitute for your relationship with the Lord. And it's it's scary to me that I could potentially lead somebody to me and not to him. That's just scary to me. But humility, we need to be humble before the Lord, but we also need to be humble with people. What did Jesus say? He says, If you love me, you will obey my commandments. And what does he say his commandments are? He says, the law and the prophets are summarized by this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love other people as you love yourself. In the book of Matthew, we have this story in chapter 20 where James and John, sons of thunder, (laughs) their mom, Mary, goes to Jesus and says, hey, um, can my, can one of my sons be seated at your right hand in heaven? And Jesus said, that's not my place to decide. And so he, he says, you know, no, <laughs> basically. And then verse 24, when the 10 heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together. She said, okay, kids, kids, let's sit down. Let's have a conversation about this. You know, the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Okay, we know this. If you work a job, you have somebody who rules over you and likes to exercise their authority over you. Verse 26 of Matthew chapter 20. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to serve, but excuse me, come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In other words, humility is the way that God advances his kingdom. Humility. This is, this is a central theme throughout Jesus's teachings. 
another another example of this comes from Luke chapter 6 verse 41 you know one of the one of the problems with not having humility towards other people in our lives is that we then move from a place of brother let me take your hand and help you and encourage you long into i am better than you and i stand over you and i lord you and i judge you the reason that we are not to judge now judging a tree by its fruit is different than judging people and and we'll and i'll clarify that later but the reason we are not to judge other people this is what jesus tells us in luke chapter 6 let's start actually with verse 37 he says do not judge and you will not be judged do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will f- be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, a lot of false Bible teachers like to use that scripture to talk about money. Jesus is talking about forgiveness and, and not judging. Verse 39, he also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the bind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher. Again, humility, pride is he's dealing with pride here. The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? When you are not humble towards other people, you put yourself just like Satan in a God complex over other people's lives. In a place where you stand in judgment in condemnation over them, and you begin to point out the speck in their eye, and you become blind to your own flaws. This is why humility is such a key component, not only in our relationship with the Lord, but in our relationship towards other people. The way James tells us that that faith without acts is dead. Now, a lot of people, you know, again, there's so many missed teachings out there about the, the grace. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, the church in an attempt to move away from legalism, which is what the entire book of Galatians is about, you know, we are saved by faith, you know, by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. This is what Galatians teaches the entire book of Galatians about grace, but that grace also doesn't mean then that we sit and do nothing with what God's given us. That's what Jesus teaches with the parable of the talents that, you know, abide in me and I, and you, and you will bear much fruit. Anybody who does not bear fruit in me is cut off. We have a responsibility to take what God's given and give it, you know, be a good steward of it and allow him to produce a fruit through our lives. And so that's what James is saying when he's saying faith without works is dead. In other words, you will have fruit in your life that will demonstrate that you belong to the Lord. And it's not works to get salvation. It's works because God is working in your life. And a lot of people like to take that scripture out of context and say, well, I get saved and sit on my hands and do nothing the rest of my life. That is exactly what Jesus rebukes with the one tap with the parable of the talent who did nothing with that one talent, Jesus said, you evil away from me, you evil servant, throw him out where there are weeping and gnashing of teeth and take what he has and give it to others. In other words, if you have fallen prey to this very dangerous doctrine that you just get saved and go to church and God's going to work everything else out, you, you are sadly mistaken. Read your Bible. <laughs> just read your Bible. <laughs> I implore you to read your Bible. You cannot get saved through your works, but when you are saved, the demonstration of that salvation will be produced through your life as fruit, as God working through your life. You will produce a crop. If you are not producing a crop, you need to be on your knees, reading the word of God and asking the Lord to work through your life, because that is the evidence that of salvation in your life. And, but when you are so busy lording yourself other, over other people, you cannot see your own flaws. And going back to what I said earlier, then you aren't being instructed from the Lord. 
Pride is so dangerous in this in that it creates a gap between you and the Lord and it prevents you from being able to be taught and moldable by the Lord. I love how the the book of Philippians just nails this topic on the head. Let's go to the book of Philippians chapter two. Let's just, we're going to go through a huge chunk of chapter two. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with the Lord, with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Now here's the important part. This is verse three. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Now here's here Paul goes on to point this, to make his case of this, why we need to do this. Chapter two, verse four. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Listen to this. He says in verse five, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Side note, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Okay, so have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Verse six, who being in the very nature, in very nature, God, who being in very nature, God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He was God, but he did not consider that something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. And at that name, Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. I love this. He, what, what, what Paul just said to us is Jesus was God, and yet he came not only to serve, but to die on the cross. The example, the advancement of the kingdom, the way that God moves his kingdom forward is in humility. The reason that God, you know, that Daniel was so highly esteemed was because he humbled himself before the Lord. Moses was so highly esteemed because he humbled himself before the Lord. When we, when we are not humbling ourselves before the Lord and, and, and humbling ourselves to other people, then we risk becoming judgmental. And that's where I wanted to take you back to the book of Numbers, where I told you, you know, I told you that little section from Moses. Chap- Numbers chapter 12, verse 1. And Miriam and Moses, excuse me, Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord not spoken only through Moses, they asked? Okay, so Miriam and Aaron are getting a little bit prideful. Hasn't he spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. The Lord heard Miriam and Aaron talking about Moses. Verse three, now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. At once, the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, come come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. So as soon as the Lord heard, what Aaron and Miriam were saying against Moses, the pride that had become to seep up through their heart. He said, get out in front of the tent of meeting. That's where the Holy Spirit would meet them uh, at this time. This is the tabernacle and they had just left Egypt. So the three of them went out and the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and he stood at the entrance of the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them stepped forward, he said, listen to my words. 
When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams, but this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The anger of the Lord burned against them and he left them. When the cloud lifted above the tent, Miriam's skin was leprous and it became white as snow. Aaron turned towards her and he saw that she had a defiling skin disease. And he said to Moses, please, my Lord, I ask that you do not hold against us the sin we have so foolishly committed. Do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb with its flesh half eaten away. Verse 13, so Moses cried out to the Lord, please God, heal her. And the Lord replied to Moses, if her father had spit in her face, would she not have been a disgrace for seven days? Confine her outside the camp for seven days. And after that, she can be brought back. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days and the people did not move on until she was brought back. We just saw a prime example of what happens when we get prideful in our heart. Aaron and Miriam were like, hey, hasn't God spoken through us? Moses and who's this wife of his? <laughs> and God was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> right now, class is in session. I want all three of you in front of the tent. And he made it painfully clear that pride has no place, no place in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, in that passage I just read to you in Philippians, pride has no place in the kingdom of heaven. If we do not have humility towards God and humility towards other people. We risk not stepping into everything that the Lord has for us. We risk putting ourselves in a prideful, prideful position over other people and having the Lord humble us just like he did Miriam and Aaron. But more than that, eternal consequences. What did, what did, I, what did that passage in Matthew that I read say? Judge and you will be judged. For with the same measure you use, it will be used for you. Excuse me, I said Matthew, but that was Luke. You guys, going before the Lord and asking him to humble you, this is something I used to just dread because I used to think, oh my gosh, this is going to be so painful. But may I remind you that humility is a decision. You get to decide if God's going to humble you or if you are going to have him help you be humbled. I need this. I, I need to be reminded of this all the time because I have such a little prideful heart sometimes. Oh my gosh, I can get so stubborn. <laughs> My pride, oh my goodness, it, it's, it's so painful. But there are so many examples in the scripture of, of what will happen if we don't humble ourselves with people and humble ourselves with the Lord. Now, some of you may be asking, well, what about somebody that's abusing me? What about somebody that's taking advantage of me? There's a difference between setting boundaries and being humble. Keep that in mind. And, and I have been in situations where the Lord has used somebody to humble me and it was, it was abusive and it was painful. And it was much like the story of Joseph, where Joseph didn't do anything to Potiphar's wife. He didn't do anything to, to deserve to be thrown in jail, but God used that situation to humble him. And so with all things, you know, again, I, there, there's different levels of abuse. You know, there's, there's obviously if you're being physically abused, go get help, get out of that situation get, get, get professional help. Um, same with emotional abuse. I mean, you know, just seek professional help if you're being abused, but sometimes there's a difference between abuse and God's humility. <laughs> God's had to work some things out of my life, the painful way, because I chose not to humble myself. But when I read the story of Daniel, I want to be like Daniel. I want to be a blessing to the leaders that I, 
that I support because that's what Daniel did. He supported the kings of, of Persia and Babylon. I want to serve other people and love them the way that Jesus commands us to. I don't want to risk leading people to myself and not to him. I don't want to risk judging and condemning people because I am not humbling myself before the Lord. I don't want to risk not being taught by the Lord. I don't want to risk inciting his anger against me. I mean, the Bible says over and over again, like I read in, in Proverbs, you know, he's, he's against those who are prideful, but he lifts up those who are humble. I just would encourage you to seek the Lord and ask him to show you where you may have pride in your life, where, where you can grow in this area, because we can all grow in this area. <laughs> Open your heart when you read the word of God to allow him to speak to you. Don't resist that. Welcome humility. Humility is a gift. It's such a gift because it's the, it's the doorway that opens us to allow the Lord to work in our lives. And, and I can promise you, you can't do a better job running your life than he can. <laughs> you will not be better off running your life than if you submit yourself to him. The reason that humility is such a gift is because what God has for us is so incredibly wonderful. If we will just learn to trust him, surrender to him and give ourselves over to his process. It's so unnatural because that sin nature that we are dying to as new creations in Christ that we are dead to really constantly wants to fight for that seat back on the throne. We just have to continue to humble ourselves before the Lord. The Lord is always working to humble all of us in certain ways. How is the Lord working to humble you? I know with me, He's had to take me through a process, especially with social media, to remember that my value doesn't come from how many likes or views my videos get or how many downloads my podcast gets. It's not about me. <laughs> it's not about what, what it seems, what outward fruit I seem to produce. I mean, let me ask you this. If you're a pastor of a megachurch of 10,000 people and you do missions all over the world, but you've never followed the Lord. It's all man-made. Are you better off than a pastor of a small church of 25 people who's faithfully followed the Lord and done what he said he was asked you to do? You see, sometimes I think we, again, we attribute success in the kingdom of God to the world's value system and not God's value system. You know, God's value system isn't always megachurch. church. <laughs> I mean, look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a faithful prophet of the Lord, and he had one of the lousiest ministries if you were to compare it to how we think of ministry. This is the problem with pride is that pride says, as I increase, God increases. But God says, as you decrease and I increase, heaven increases. God, God multiplies in ways that are not, that are foreign to how this world works. And when we have pride or lack of humility in our lives, we're seeing the world through the lens of, of the enemy, of the world. Well, more is better. Now, sometimes it's not. <laughs> in fact, I, I, you know, I would dare say that very few, very few pastors are called to be megachurch pastors. Very rarely does God work in megachurch settings. I mean, the, the gospels are filled with one-on-one -on -one interactions. I'm not saying that megachurches aren't of God. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that sometimes we think that real success looks like a megachurch and God says real success looks like you do what I tell you to do. You humble yourself before me. You lift other people up. You see them as greater than yourself. You become a servant of all. That's the fruit of the kingdom in your life. Not 
mega. <laughs> this is something God's been having to work through me. And so I know he, he does this with all of us because he doesn't want us to end up like Miriam and Aaron. He wants Moses's. He wants Daniel's. I mean, look at how, look at how much he humbled Peter. Can you imagine the pain Peter went through denying the Lord three times? You know, it's funny. I, I went through and I did a quick study on what stories show up in all four gospels. And there's a reason why God orchestrated the gospels the way that he did. But one of the stories that shows up in all four gospels is Peter denying Christ. <laughs> he didn't get a pass on that one. That was a painful humility. That is a story read by millions of people for thousands of years. I don't want my story to be like that. I'm not saying that um, <laughs> I'm perfect. I'm just saying that, you know, Peter, and, you know, that's how God had to humble Peter. And that was what a painful lesson to deny the man you love more than anything in the world and have to deal with the pain. I mean, Peter wept bitterly after that. So I just want to encourage you to, to ask the Lord to show you where, where he wants to do more work in your life from a humility perspective. I know this is something I have to, you know, I have to be aware of and, and something that my, my parents are so good at. Hey, Tiana, <laughs> uh, Hey kid, knock it down a notch. And, and so, you know, the, the Holy spirit is, is great, but I also have accountability partners in my life in case I become blind or, or hard of hearing from my father, my heavenly father. Humility is a gift. It's not something to be afraid of. It's, it's, it's again, it's opening the doors to say, you know what, Lord, I want you to be truly the Lord of my life. I want you to, to truly be in charge of what I do. You guys, there's, there's rest in that. My burden is easy and my yoke is light. It's rest in that. There's rest in surrendering ourselves to the Lord. There's rest in humility. Don't be like Samson. And humility comes after losing everything in years of grinding stone, right? Lord's going to humble us one way or another because he is, as I said earlier, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And humility is the kingdom principle by which the he's built his kingdom. So we're going to be humbled one way or another. But if you choose and you ask the Lord to humble you and you ask him and you genuinely seek him with, an, uh, with a sincere heart, he will. He will begin to sow his values in your heart. And I would, I would encourage you to allow him to do that as, you know, as a willing participant <laughs> rather than the way I've done it most of my life. <laughs> so thank you guys again for tuning in and, and listening. Let's just uh, wrap this up with prayer and then we'll close out today's episode. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that, Lord, your system, your values are so different than this of the world. And Lord, you're just through this journey, you're transforming us and conforming us into the creatures that, that you desire for us for eternity, our heavenly creatures, our heavenly kingdom. And so, Lord, I just ask that, Father, you would humble us and that we would be like Daniel, Father, that our prayers would be heard because we, we choose to humble ourselves before you, Lord. Show us where there is any pride in our life. Show us where we are preventing you from being God and how we can honor you more and serve you more and bring you more glory, Father, and change this world with the one and only thing that really, really brings everlasting change, and that is your love. Father, as you taught us to pray, Jesus, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, we know that your will is that we serve people, we love people, we lift other people up higher than ourselves. We follow your example. You were God and yet, not only did you not ever use that position, you humbled and served people your entire life, but then you, you left us after dying for us, Father. May that just be our heart. May we just, Father, seek to die to ourselves, Lord, so that you, may we decrease so that you can increase. Father, we love you and we pray this in your precious name. Amen.
Well, thank you guys again for tuning in. Let me know your thoughts about the hats. You guys can email me. If you go to madetoconquerpodcast.com, there's like a little form at the bottom that says contact us. You can email me that way. That's the easiest way to do it. Let me know. And um, yeah, thank you guys again for tuning in. Until next time, have a great one. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Made to Conquer. Please be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends and family anyone else you think would enjoy joining us on this journey of drawing closer to Jesus.